thank you guys for joining us. We're, we're doing this as a bit of an experimental commentary track. So we're going to be trying like lining stuff up with the movie as it goes and going through a ton of trivia and history of the production of the movie. And uh, if you have questions as we go along, we can try and answer them. Uh, the thing about, I mean, th- this was the sixties, but it feels like an older production because die uh, is, is definitely kind of the, uh, the RC Cola of uh, of the um, production companies that was in Japan at the time. And I don't think they kept very good records. I couldn't find anything about the box office of this film in Japan. Um, no, anywhere it's, online. it's tough to find that stuff. Um, I looked, I looked as well. I just saw that it was a success. Which yeah, is, well, the, the, the thing nice is, to know. <laughs> like when, when, usually when there's an American version, they will have that box in box office information i don't even think they have it for the american version of gamera which is uh surprising but yeah a success mainly because it was it cost half as much to make as godzilla a decade before <laughs> but um uh we'll get into it and uh yeah let me, let me start the watch party gamera womp, 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 womp. Already, I am selecting the title. Not even eight minutes long. Confirm watch party. Start watch party. Start watching. Grab a snack and hit the lights. Got some pistachios. All right. And uh, welcome to the Gamera, the giant monster film commentary track with uh, Miles and Patrick. Uh, ooh, this, this started a little further on. Uh, you'll see the die logo in the screen and then it'll fade to black and then we're off to the races with the movie. Oh my goodness. Got it. I love how this like, just starts immediately. Like we're at the North Pole. There is, yeah, the one thing about the intro is uh, we meet the three main characters, like, boom, immediately. There's not, well, we'll get the credits later, but. Yep, this is 1965 Kaiju to end all Kaiju films, a Gamera uh, directed by Noriaka Yuaso. And this came out November 27th, 1965 in Japan. And here we got the three main cast, uh, Dr. Hidaka, um, his assistant, Kyoko, and this photographer is named, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Ayaji. Um, and respectively, they're played by um, E.J. Fukunkoshi, uh, Harumi Kiritachi, and Junshiro Yamashita. Whew. Oh, yeah. Um, 
you have to uh, <laughs> turn on the subtitles yourself. The movie's not going to do it for you. Forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, Amazon Prime uh, uh, just goes, uh, you know, they don't need subtitles for this Japanese film. Um, that is how we're we're watching this. But um, this is the the Japanese cut. And I think this is the one that you're going to find because I, I'm pretty sure this was ripped from the the DVD and Blu-ray they put out about. Yeah, there's a hard sub. Oh, boy. And here comes the English speaking actors of the film. <laughs> this guy just it, it feels like they just pulled him right out of Coney Island mm-hmm. and slapped him <laughs> into this movie. I love it. I love it. On a dinner for the aircraft. <laughs> like they literally just went into a U.S. bar in New York and said, hey, you guys want to be in a movie? Like, <laughs> didn't ask him to sober up or nothing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, th- there might be some truth to that. They might have just pulled whatever English actors they they had. I mean, this could have been a longshoreman, a stevedore you know, in Tokyo, an expat, because I, I've tried to look for the the names for the English speaking actors. I've not been able to find them. <laughs> they, they have some last names, I think, listed on IMDb, but uh, not not anything concrete that I could find. <laughs> and there's um, about six or seven english speaking roles it honestly threw me off the first time i saw it yeah well i i had to double check when i was doing my research here because i was oh when i started this one i was like wait is this the american version because they added in in the american version a number of american actors obviously but these are just english speaking actors that they had access to uh, I think this is some great modeling for 1965. Oh, yeah. uh, this, the only thing about it is the sound effects of these this missiles. missiles. <laughs> it just sounds very toy-like. But, but like this scene, especially where the uh, the Boeing or whatever is, is crashing, looks great. Oh, yeah. When it comes to like destroying a landscape, I don't think anyone's better than than... Japanese kaiju filmmakers. Mm-hmm. We have the inciting incident here, the clash between Russia and the United States that uh, has a, an atomic bomb go off at the North Pole. And it's a great shot here. Apparently, when they, uh, it was a very novice film crew when they try to get all this ice in the studio to uh to do this scene um the lights melted it all and they flooded the the studio and i had to wait a few days to to i remember uh because i think initially he wanted to make a movie about rats oh yeah we're going to talk about the (laughs) the creation of this as well but look at this shot of our the other big g coming out the title I think the snowblower action is yeah. The much. snowblower is a great effect. <laughs> well, there there are like um, geothermal pockets underneath ice that can like eject stuff, you know, up there. But I don't know what's happening in front of him <laughs> that's making it go like back and forth. 
like a uh, a sprinkler. Oh man, this 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 hot dog lipped uh, <laughs> Coney Island actor is is something else. See, but the, I the I general. want I want my movie to have like guys that sound like that. Like, well, it reminds me of Final Wars casting. Uh, uh, what's his oh, name? Is yeah, <laughs> the American speaking. Uh, it was like, general. what if we got Charles Bronson in a Godzilla movie? <laughs> so here we have it. the The title sequence. Some people complain about, but showing off. I think what they're very proud of here, which is a uh, a you know a suit that can be filmed in close up. I mean, I, I don't remember anything equivalent to this in a Godzilla movie really until Heisei era. Well, I mean, I think, I think some people complain about it because it's, it's such a opposite to the Godzilla movies where you build and you build and you build and they're flat out just giving you everything right up front. I think it's smart because typically when you code and you don't show the monster till the second act, you know, that's a, that's a jaws thing. That's you're, you're right. hiding them to build suspense. Whereas they're, they're right up front. It's like, this is the main character. Take a well, look. And, we spent a lot of time on this suit. Gamera was also popular amongst kids. They were the ones that respond to this movie. And by having this snappy script where stuff happens immediately, you're going to keep them engaged. Yes. Yeah. Boy, howdy kids attention span sometimes can be pretty short, but yeah, I mean, even um, the first actor, I think we see in the movie as a kid emerging from one of these igloos. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. they're here. We get to see them later with uh, Toshio. Um, uh, We'll we'll talk about the cast here a little bit in, in greater detail. I want to highlight before he, his scenes end uh, one of my favorite crossover performances in this film of Yoshio Yoshida, who plays mm-hmm. the es- Eskimo leader here. He has some of the best lines in what should be the titular line, calling Gamera the devil's envoy. <laughs> so here it is. Devil's envoy. Gamera. Um, pretty metal name, devil's envoy, but it's a uh, far he, cry from friend to all children. <laughs> Devil's envoy. He bridges the gap, uh, this actor between Toho and, and Dai, which doesn't happen a lot, but he is credited as a fisherman in uh, uh, six years from now, from this movie, Godzilla versus Hetera, which I think he probably I love Godzilla versus Hetera. <laughs> if he's a fisherman, if, if memory serves. But I mean, yeah, he's he's in this movie five minutes and he's a very memorable performance giving them this tablet that shows that Gamera there's like three on the tablet uh there are ancient Atlantean sea creatures <laughs> um uh, which they keep some of that in the the Heisei era when when Gamera comes out he is also thought to be part of like an ancient Atlantean civilization yeah I, I love that they bring that back. I never remembered that from my original viewing of these in MST3K land. But uh, here we see uh, another great model, the Chidori Maru, which I think the translation is like village of a thousand, you know, uh, lights or something along those lines. Maru is is like a is a name that's on a lot of Japanese ships. Um and kind of means like 
town or like floating island kind of thing. Um, it, it, it struck a chord with me because I was like, oh, like the Kobayashi Maru from Star Trek. But uh, here we see the the radar man putting their coordinates uh, via longitude and latitude, which puts them maybe 100 miles north of the uh, Chukotsky Peninsula in Russia, which is like directly above Japan at the North Pole. I think. I think, Miles. I... man. What's going on around here? I love... I I want... I want these guys to be taken on Gamera or whatever monster they need to. (laughs) So, they are at an Arctic military base somewhere probably you know very high uh uh longitude this is an american pilot supposedly but played by a japanese actor speaking english here it's a good model new york yeah, we we fast forward a little bit in time. Now this sounds like a non-native English speaker doing the, yeah, the interview French. here. A little French, yeah. Uh, so Dr. Hidaka here, um, going into these extras a little deeper, uh, will be in another Gamera film uh, in a few years after this, um, but playing a different character in Gamera versus Gyron, uh, the 1969 AKA Attack of the Monsters. Uh, he plays Dr. Uh, Shiga in that film, um, which, uh, you know, it's kind of a background character uh I, d- I didn't even realize he was in both and i watched that movie a couple weeks ago but that one the st- the stars are the kids you know there's three child actors no, yeah at, at this point in the, the show era the the kids were the main focal point of the <laughs> oh series. they took over they took over quick <laughs> um but yeah i don't know why they didn't uh you know kind of tie the movies together bring back dr hidaki and uh you know for all intents and purposes i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the same Gamera throughout Showa, so yeah, but I—that's one problem I've kind of always had with these long-standing kaiju series is they'll bring actors back, but very, very rarely will they bring characters back. It wasn't yeah. until the Heisei era or Heisei era. Um, I still haven't gotten a, a locked on on how to pronounce it <laughs> I've, because I've, I've, gone, I've looked up several sources and it's different every single time. <laughs> I've gone with Heisei, which I think is the closest to the Hepburn pronunciation. But but uh, once yeah, that go- era starts for Godzilla, you have some characters, and the same with uh, the Heisei era, where you have um, yeah, oh, Godzilla gosh. did it a lot. Toho was very well known for keeping like a stock company of actors and just reusing them over and over, and directors yeah. and. You know, writers then, and producers. They would use the actors, but seldom the characters. 
Yeah, yeah. So it is. It's a little jarring when you're like, oh, I know this guy. He played this in the previous Godzilla film, and he's not playing the same same character. But you know, these came out a year, two years apart, and people probably wouldn't remember it too and well. You, you got to remember, there's no way to like rewatch the movie unless you go to the theater again. Uh, and I'll give Godzilla '85 this. They brought back Raymond Burr for the yes. American version. Yes, I think that that's just an amazing bit of continuity, which we'll talk about in those films. But uh, we just uh, saw the first flying saucer shot, which looks pretty good for, you know, uh, an imposed kind of uh, image uh, effect for the film. I think we'll see that kind of um, glowing saucer a few more times. Um, But. That holds up, I think, for 1965 here. All the characters. Uh, so they've gone from the Arctic to New York, and now they're heading back to Japan via plane. Um, Must be tired. Uh, Junichiro Yamashita here, who plays the photographer, is now <laughs> kind of hitching, hitching up with uh, the the scientist character here to follow him around. And... Uh, Claims that Kyoko is his good luck charm because he kind of followed her out to yeah, you don't uh, see her much after this movie, do you? No, you do not. Uh, <laughs> I, I I tried looking up some information before we started here tonight, and she did do one other film after Gamera. But the only thing I can find is she supposedly married someone named Jack Sanders and had seven children. Uh, but I couldn't find any information <laughs> about it. Uh, it's always fun when sometimes like a kid comes back and like joins the the business and, you know, you yeah. get, like legacy actors and things like that. But don't think that happened here. Um, well, it, it's uh, wild uh, that you mentioned legacy actors because the, the kids star in um, or one of the young stars in the Heisei movies is the daughter of Steven Seagal. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's one thing I love finding in going through the IMDb listings and things like that is little connections. Um, uh, Yamashita here will star in another giant monster flick, another kind of kaiju flick the following year, which uh, he was in. I think this is the second in the trilogy of uh, Daimajin films, Wrath of Daimajin. Um and then his his uh, employment gets a little wonky in the eighties with number of number of movies I did not want to research because they're, they're very body titles uh, <laughs> and are listed. Was it like the, the Scorpion Prison movies? <laughs> no, there's some. Uh, they're listed on IMDb as erotic comedies, and I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh- Pinky films, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're rated here in the states, but I wasn't comfortable looking them up while I was uh, at work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely, <laughs> you would not want to do that. Uh, yeah, but the main cast here, we're, we'll talk about. Uh, uh, oh boy, I don't have it written down right in front of me. But this actress is um, the character is uh, Naboya Sakurai. And it's Michiko Sugata um, playing Toshio's sister here. Uh, and here we have him. Arguably the the star. <laughs> uh, Toshio, a.k.a. Kenny. That boy. And one of the sad things um, 
I don't think that's sad, but one of, one of the bummers about um, trying to find stuff about this era is a lot of the historical documents in Japan haven't been digitized and a lot of them have been lost. Oh, so yeah. the only way to get information is usually some of uh, these Western authors, like the guys who do the, the uh, big book of giant Japanese monster mm-hmm. movies and trying to contact the actual guys who are still alive in Japan. Yeah. And, and get some firsthand accounts or he just happened to know somebody uh, or one of the guys happens to speak Japanese and takes a, a, a trip and tries <laughs> to, to get information. That's how we get a lot of this information uh, in terms of some of these old records, uh, especially because of the lost films and, yep. and how those are all detailed. And it's kind of a bummer because I would love to have more insight into the behind the scenes and Arrow, who put out the massive Blu-ray collection of the entire Gamera uh, filmography, has some decent stuff in them, but mm-hmm. you got to spend a pretty penny to get it. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're missing all of uh, the many scenes of his grandfather, um, I believe, uh, telling young Toshio he's got to make friends and not be just a, a sad turtle boy, <laughs> but little he does little like a turtle, know. doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's got the, um, uh, well, turtle neck sweater. Uh, <laughs> little will they know he is about to become the biggest turtle boy. Uh, so yeah, let, let's talk about Toshio and let's talk about acting in the film. Uh, a lot of people uh, dig on the child actors in these movies, especially fine. Toshio. And like going back and watching this, it's not bad at all. It might be one of the better children actors in the series. Um, I don't, you know, his voice is annoying to me. I don't know. <laughs> Um, do do uh, right. I, so I love the, how they try they, to make his eyes move here, <laughs> so they just look so googly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a, a, a Muppet. Uh, Yoshiro Uchida is the, the actor playing Toshio here, and indeed, in the American version, they change his name to Kenny. <laughs> um, one of uh, one of my favorite YouTube commentators who's done a lot of kaiju films, Brendan Tenold, uh, after watching this and the rest of the Gamera films, just calls all the child actors Kenny's. <laughs> and, you know, he's th- this kid was obviously lampooned uh, along with some of the others in the MST3K episodes. But yeah, I just don't think he's that bad. I think the writing for the kid is pretty bad. But look, yeah, he's 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 frightened here, but he's still he's so interested. Is that a giant turtle? Oh, now he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, he's oh, no, he's hanging on. They got a little miniature on this uh, this lighthouse. Gamera sees what he's doing. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> It looks like he's about to eat the child, which would make this a very different movie. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he falls in his hand and uh, he's like, here you go, bud. Gives him the assist. 
Well, that was nice of him. I think in one of the pre-scripts, like one of the treatments um, before they started production, there was supposed to be a scene where, well, there's a couple of scenes. One where we see Toshio getting bullied by kids at school because he loves turtles and not like regular boy his age stuff. And then later on, he has a dream of Gamera. Uh, I think kind of in the same vein as all monsters attack where he's like the same size <laughs> uh, or, you know, somehow just being able to communicate with camera kind of happy. Those didn't make it into the movie, but uh, all right. So pretty, pretty exciting scene. I, I wish that one was a little brighter. It's one of the, few night scenes that we don't have like a ton of lighting and it seems like with a lighthouse you have something to play with there you know like a Mm -hmm. giant rotating light but they they don't really once again this is about half the budget of uh godzilla (laughs) no they do they do a lot with their their budget this is one thing i i always appreciate about this era and about even independent filmmaking today is is solving problems that now Mm -hmm. you just spend Fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's something to be said about the ingenuity of the team behind the special effects, the miniatures, stuff like that, and um, it, it's part of the 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 love and the craft, even in some of the like arguably very bad <laughs> kaiju films that they have to enjoy what they're doing uh, to to get something on the screen, you know, it's not like you can just shoot a camera and follow around some actors. They're, they're doing shots and shots and other crazy things. Oh, he's looking for his turtle. Oh, Toshio. I'm so sorry. Uh, It's funny that you mentioned that Jimmy, because for the longest time, they tried to make a sort of bride of Godzilla type story and they could just never get that off the ground. Thank goodness. (laughs) One of the pitches I I read wasn't that bad. Hmm. This is this is great child acting, like I said, compared to some of the later. Uh, I, I, I think most of these kids are fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know because he's the first. Maybe uh, um, Toshio gets gets the the raw raw end of the deal. There's some physical stuff he does later on, which is like a little slapsticky <laughs> when he's like crawling into the crate. But I think this is this is fine. Um, it is hard because he's got no one to act with here. He's just talking to himself, you know, and once again, bad, act, bad, bad writing, not bad acting. Um, well, it also could just be bad localization too. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out for, before we go on is some information about the title of this movie. This, the Japanese version that came out in 1965 uh, in Japanese is called uh, Daikaiju Gamera literally translates to giant monster Gamera, but we see it over here as Gamera comma or colon the giant monster. But the next year it was brought over to the United States and released uh, with a separate version called Gamera, the invincible and of note, they spell the name different uh with two I, I used M's. to misspell the, the movie uh or the 
monster all the time because yeah, I grew up with G A M M. It's it's uh, it, you realize how dangerously close it is to grammara. Yes, <laughs> you know, wouldn't it just need one one more R? Um, um, the in 1985, the Sandy Frank dub of the film came out and was released on VHS, and that's what they use on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, that one was just called Gamera, just no, nothing else to that. In Germany, oh boy, for some reason, Germany, we'll find this out, has a deep seated love for Frankenstein. Oh man, Do <laughs> and don't get me started. <laughs> uh, in Germany, this movie is called Gamera, Frankenstein's Monster from the Ice. There are so many Frankenstein connections in kaiju movies that don't exist. <laughs> And I, I wonder if every time a German production or like producer comes in and, and adds money to one of these movies, if he's just like, well, could could Frankenstein be here? Well, could and sometimes it was the, the Frankenstein. It, it was the Japanese localizer because the mm-hmm. Japanese loved Frankenstein. Frankenstein and King Kong, you know, it's it's two uh, monster films that really helped kind of spark interest in uh, the kaiju film industry and um, what's wild is the the original godzilla versus king kong was supposed to be king kong versus frankenstein's monster yep and then later on ebra i think was supposed to be um a frankenstein or so. king kong with frankenstein's powers uh well so you know, that, gets, that's why he gets powered by electricity in that yeah. movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he he gets woken up in Ebra by a, a lightning bolt, and I, I imagine a lightning bolt would probably wake up Godzilla too. But yeah, the uh, horror of the deep, the <laughs> um, the world under terror is the title in Spain, and then in Greece, Gamera, the King of Tokyo. I like that one. I don't know which which one I prefer the most. It's just, it sounds more whimsical. Like like the creature should have a top hat, maybe a cane, and you know, doing a little show tune. <laughs> well, wait until later in the series, and we get some dancing for sure. I know we get some dancing. I mean, Godzilla did some dancing in uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster. Of course, of course, the classic. Uh, I talked a little bit about it. Um, the 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 English actors that they got here, but the American release of the film uh, was dubbed by Tytra Studios. They also did Mothra versus Godzilla in 1964, as well as Speed Racer, Ultraman. Were they the ones that titled it Mothra versus the Thing or Godzilla versus <laughs> the Thing? Uh, I think that was when it came over. Uh, yeah, probably because that's when it came over to the United States. Um, but yeah, they did the the dubbing for for those films and TV shows. Um, the Japanese version that we're watching, uh, some people say. Well, I guess I could look at what <laughs> Amazon says here. Um, yeah, seventy eight minutes. This version runs. The American clocks in at eighty six. And it adds, I think, more than 10 minutes of footage and actually takes out some Japanese footage. But confusingly, there's also a scene here in this part, a wider shot of the nuclear facility 
that is only in the American version, but not in the Japanese version, which is uh, it's like, why did they get well, like what cut of the film did they get that they um, they had additional monster footage? But this is such a good looking scene. Yeah, I like the different angles. I think they do a lot here with very, I mean, relatively little. These close ups remind me a lot of the 1954 Godzilla. Um, well, because they're using like various oh, shots and, and quick shots, it le- makes their budget look bigger, even though you can tell these models are not the best. They're uh, they're utilizing the most with them. The the Roman candles bouncing off Gamera's shell is <laughs> so good. I love it so it's, much. It's, it's great. Um, and oh, it's a here. bummer that, like, unlike Godzilla, it's you don't really have a specific actor in the Gamera suit. Yeah, I wanted I want to talk about that. It is very hard to nail down. They went through stunt performers very quickly because it was like. Oh, gosh, it was like a hundred pound suit. There's a couple of them. And the heavier one that they used in this scene when they had all the fire was so brutal. Uh, they, they had people quit um, and the well, effects team had to passed out at certain points. <laughs> that happened a lot with the suitmation because, you know, there's I mean, there's no holes really for air to come through. So imagine wearing a latex suit that mm-hmm. weighs as much as you do. And also having fire special effects go off around you. I mean, it's it's surprising that uh, more people didn't quit. But the suit actors that we can nail down include the Yagi brothers, uh, Kanju and Yusei, who were modelers and worked on Mothra, King Ghidorah, King Kong, several Godzilla suits from the Showa era. And uncredited, but in this film and I think the rest of the Showa films, uh, Teru Aragaki is listed as the main suit actor. Um, he'd come back for several films in this series, but also did dozens of monsters in Ultraman and Ultra 7, including some of the most popular ones there, Bemular and Red King. Um, and I, I want to talk about the suit for a little bit because, I mean, it is very different from i think a lot of the other kaiju that we, we've seen on the screen it's not really humanoid like the arms are in a a place that the actor doesn't really have the full range of yeah motion. it makes it i mean it does look like a turtle that's just standing up as opposed to like a bipedal creature yeah you know what's so funny is they say they designed it so he could be on all fours and look more animalistic but you don't you really really don't see that very often in this movie, at least in this Mm -mm. first one. Um, Whenever they show him on his side and later show up films, it doesn't look as good to me, but uh, the suit design primarily is uh, attributed to uh, Ryosaku Takayama, who is a modeler, a painter, and was a mainstay in the uh, Super Rai Productions Ultra series. So did a lot of the costume design there. Lisa Ultra. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I really think that that credit scene we got earlier in the film is because they were so proud of what they they built. It really does allow you to set the scale, and you know you got to imagine we're watching this on a teeny screen, probably 
but the aspect ratio is shot in was specifically for a theater to see this thing kind of filling up the entire frame and be almost one-to-one life-size on a, uh, on a movie screen. Um, and they're, they're, they really couldn't hide, you know, anything about the costume. So you get the close-ups of the, the back, the chest, the feet, the claws, the, the head, everything. Um, I don't have it here, but it says, I think the Wikipedia says that the, the main suit weighed 60 kilograms. Uh, which is 132 pounds. So pretty, <laughs> pretty darn heavy. So one point of contention that you and I have mm-hmm. uh, about this movie is you, you prefer or would prefer that this were in color. I think, I mean, obviously um, they, they just cut the budget and black and white, even though it was like pretty far out of fashion, 1965 is a lot cheaper. Yeah. It's, it's um, not out of the question to have a black and white film. No, but this was basically the last black and white Kaiju film. Uh, 1965. I guess it's important to note. Um, 62 is when I think Mothra. No, 62 was. King Kong versus King Godzilla. Kong and Godzilla, of course, and Toho. That was the, that was the color. first uh, color Godzilla. Um, uh, but I feel like uh, and uh, Wraith says this in, in the chat that the lighting is really good, and I think the yeah. lighting in this with the black and white is so expressive that while I wouldn't want it for the entire series, with this specific one, I kind of like the first movie's black and white. Well, when you have these black and white night scenes, it definitely helps with the the contrast of, you know, these huge flame spurts and his flame breath ability. Um, but so many of the locales that they go to later on during the day, I think would have really popped. Um, uh, speaking well, of- I think at this time, Godzilla... See, King Kong vs. Godzilla was a third Godzilla film, and I think he was still kind of more of a super breath than an atomic blast. Right. And so for Gamera to be like spouting out fire, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, when you get to color, like imagine if uh, (laughs) they had decided to like colorize his, his flame breath like green or something like that gets a little right out but um that's uh the same thing that happens with godzilla once you see his blue uh atomic breath and i think that i think that happened in king kong versus godzilla right Realized... uh, i can't remember I, I think i think it might have a tint of blue but it's still it still looks like it's like a, a heat breath type of thing. like that weird kind of air he was blowing out. All right. So this, this is a scene I like to highlight here and kind of break down where they've got these freeze bombs from the Americans. And this is their, their huge gambit before they go to plan Z their, their last resort freeze Gamera plant explosives on him. Uh, uh, which is crazy. 
uh, plant explosives, I guess, underneath him to uh, to blow up the mountainside and get him on his back. <laughs> this massive 80 meter turtle that breathes and eats fire. They think will have the same weakness as a standard sized turtle. If you uh, pop in the discord, uh, I just posted the kind of breath that you would see. Yeah. It's like a fog that Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, there's still, they still like will color it blue in some spots, but it's, it's not until later where he gets the full on like beam breath. Mm -hmm. So I believe this is uh, June Hamamaru as professor Marasa here. We haven't really talked about, but another, you know, face that's uh, after the halfway point is in a lot of this film. I can't look at him without thinking he looks like Colonel Sanders. Uh, he's got the oh, he absolutely the, does. So the quaffed white hair, the little goatee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here, here See, you know, right there, he's he's thinking mm, finger looking good. Yeah, that tur- turtle is full of meat. <laughs> We're eating good tonight. Um, but yeah, here here is probably one of the reasons why this movie did so well is it it doesn't really follow like a formula that you can like understand but they've already seeded these aliens this this flying saucer earlier in the movie at this point you forget about it <laughs> but yeah because everyone's focused on like oh we gotta kill this oh giant my turtle. gosh yeah yeah exactly it's like we don't well it's like in real life they're they're talking about how they're actually aliens that the government has the military has seen and everyone's like the world's on fire uh, this guy, I love the soldier's <laughs> confidence here. He's ashamed <laughs> of losing. He's going into his shell. Everyone's so happy at this point. And it's just such a great turn. <laughs> here we see the afterburners. I think this is just modelers rockets. They've yeah. um, put in a miniature shell, which supposedly burnt the wires multiple times. But um. Boy, howdy. Uh, imagine seeing this in the theater for the first time in the 60s. Oh, I, I think it's such a clever way for him to fly. I always have loved this. About- Once again, people complained. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. But it's like, well, how does Godzilla's atomic breath make any yeah, sense? Yeah, like, who cares? <laughs> Where's that coming from? It's, yeah, it's just how he gets around. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine his head is kind of centrally located, so he's not like brained by the time he's done spinning across the the globe, but uh, yeah, this is, this is probably my favorite scene in the the movie. Everyone's face here, just like, oh my god! Oh man, the <laughs> state face doctor. on Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yep. So now they go back to the stone, and they're like, "Well, what were these little wave signs? Were these ocean?" waves no they're clouds they wanted to show camera had the ability to fly the entire time it's it's <laughs> nice little little moment here camera vanishes into the sky as the newspaper article um at this point i want to point out some more technical aspects of the film including 
camera's roar we've heard many times already um but a lot of people call it a screech and i think it's more accurately sometimes it's a roar sometimes it's very much a screech when he first in, appears, in this film it does feel like a screech and i couldn't find any exact origins for the original sound effect um some people uh fans have speculated it's like a distorted recording of an elephant um which you know i think they did that for jurassic park for uh, for dinosaur roars um other people have said a muted trumpet sound which um, is possible i mean if if they used like uh piano wire for godzilla you know yeah. it's possible they did use other <laughs> you know orchestral instruments use what you have at hand yeah exactly uh this roar the original gamma roar though Oddly enough, we will see reused in the 1991 Godzilla film. Talk about cutting corners. Uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Uh, That's they, a wild movie. They use it as the sound effect for the 1940s or 30s uh, Godzilla Saurus, like before he gets mutated in the the Heisei continuity. Um. It's really, it's a little, you know, if you watch the camera films and you go watch that, it's jarring because it's like, what is a camera here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me that much, but some people, you know, do compare to a screech. But um, if a massive ancient turtle has been awake for or been asleep for like 10,000 years and then an atom bomb explodes on top of them, I, I would make something similar. <laughs> Yeah, my only problem with Gamera's, you know, roar in these movies is I just there's there's a lack of oomph to them. Like it's not yeah. as iconic as Godzilla's. It doesn't it doesn't have this specific identity, you know? I, I yeah, there needs to be I mean, maybe there is in the the theatrical audio, but there needs to be like more bass. I don't know. But like, there's other monsters that you can like. I mean, King Ghidorah who always has those like little weird little space chips or chirps, yeah, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And I I would I would like Gamera because it's such a iconic monster to have a roar that matches it. The Heisei era does a decent job of giving it more of a a roar, but mm-hmm. it's also kind of too little too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. It gets a little shorter and I think a little higher as the Showa series goes on. We'll, we'll talk about when we look at other Gamera films, but it, it becomes more of like a, hey, how's it going, little kid? <laughs> like uh, shout that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, the score of the film, we haven't we haven't talked about the music too much. Unfortunately, we don't have um, uh, like a Japanese master like in the godzilla movies but uh this one was put together by tadashi yeah. yamauchi and it's a it's 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 a 60s score it's a little more playful right from the get-go um even it's very generic yeah well yeah even the action sequences it's just i think of the age um but i i still think very serviceable uh for 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 what it is uh, of course, we get later on the Gamera March, which was parodying on MST3K. The American version of the film gets a uh, technically like a theme song uh, by a band called the Moons. 
and their song Gamera with two M's. <laughs> uh, yeah, but which... I, I mean, I like, I like having identity. I mean, if you hear the Godzilla theme, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. you know what's coming. And that's what I loved about the MonsterVerse movies. That's what I loved about Godzilla's uh, singular point. Both of those things use the, the classic theme to some extent. And it's, it's such an iconic theme and it's such a weird theme too once again something that's not really corrected until heisei gamera uh the the soundtrack in heisei gamera is as iconic as mm-hmm. a lot of other gaiju films it's but good here we don't get it and we don't get the march until uh, i think we don't get elements of the march until the next movie gamera versus uh, baragon Uh, we haven't talked too much about the miniatures, uh, what we're seeing on the, the screen now. Um, this is like news footage of the destructive wake of of Gamera. But yeah, it, it's probably important to, to note just the history of this film and the director, um, uh, Yuasu, uh, who joined Dae in 1955 when he was 22 years old. And then directed his first movie, which was a musical comedy in 1964, uh, which tr- the title translated to, if you're happy, clap your hands, which sounds very pleasant. But his next project was going to be a big monster movie called Dai, uh, Gunju Nizura, The Great Rat Swarm, which involved making a ton of miniatures and training real rats. Yeah, and that crawl. did not go well at all. <laughs> Believe it or not, the rats they got, it was disastrous. They they were not trained. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't and really and I think I think the health department shut them down. They were disease and flea ridden. And uh, supposedly this is chronicled in a dramatized retelling of the production, a 2020 film called Nizura 1964, which uh I was actually looking yeah, it up. I, I uh, really want to see that one. That's on my list. Uh, uh, the actor that plays Toshio is in that movie. He, you know, took about thirty years off from acting and came back for that one. Awesome! I'm um, excited to to see that. But it looks like kind of a more of a, a maybe like a love letter to these kind of monster movies and the some of the disasters that would happen during production. Uh, it's said that the president of Dai at the time, um, Masashi Nagata looked at the sunk cost of already doing a ton, about six months, I think, of pre-production for this great uh, Rat Swarm movie and realized that they already had the highways, these miniature cities built, and they wanted to go through with another giant monster. So they went back to drawing board, and it's reported he had the idea for a giant flying turtle when he was taking a flight and he saw a huge cloud shaped like a flying turtle. Um, there's some other reports that his son had the idea, Hidamasa. And back to the director, uh, Noriaka Yasusa. Um, uh, he, he would direct this film, but only be the special effects coordinator for the second film. Uh, but then would direct the next six camera movies uh, all the way to 1980s Gamera the Super Monster. Um, Let's see. 
uh, he helped write the script with Nissan uh, Takahashi. Uh, they they got the idea from President of Dae and started writing um, a couple of spec scripts. And what were the titles of those? I have that somewhere. Uh, the two <laughs> titles that they put forward, the first one was called A Lowly Tortoise Flies Through the Sky. And the second one, which I, I prefer, is was called A Fire-Eating Turtle Attacks Japan. It's very literal. <laughs> it's like, that, that's what happens. You're right. The writer of this film um, started working for Die after he won a, a writing contest. Which, believe it or not, is how they actually got a lot of actors and writers in the, the Japanese film industry, kind of at the beginning of this revolution after World War II. So we're, we're moving on to Plan Z here, which they've been cooking up for a while. Uh, this this island that we're shown here is where the climax of the film takes place on Mount Mihara uh, on Oshima Island, which is uh, it's like 20 miles south of, of Tokyo Bay, I think. Um, you might recognize the mountain, uh, Miles, uh, if you've watched it recently, because it is the resting place of Godzilla in the 1984 Return of Godzilla and where he emerges from in 1989's Godzilla versus Biollante, I love, uh, which is one of my favorite Godzilla movies, mm-hmm. uh, or one that I would say one of the better ones. Uh, Double Doge, uh, I will say that uh, Gamera is very, very popular, and both having talked to them about this, Patrick and Drew grew up knowing Gamera more than Godzilla. It, you know, uh, I I was first exposed because i think of mystery science theater 3000 and as cheesy as the movies were i mean they did a ton of cheesy movies but they're like the most watchable of the kind of like bad films Uh, especially this one i i i didn't think the black and white films uh played as well in, in a lot of those spoofs but this one is like I said, it's very fast. It's for a child's attention span. Uh, this scene in the American version does have the Moon's song playing, uh, which is funny because they're playing a song about Gamera when Gamera's attacking. <laughs> uh, the the irony is not lost on these sixties hipster rock and roll kids. It's like oh, if we're if we're gonna die, we're gonna go out how we how we lived, rocking and rolling. Like they're they're obviously dancing still while the building's getting destroyed. Some good model work here, which boy howdy these these buildings I don't know, but m- more so than the the Subaraya or the the Toho effects they go down really quick, which I feel like is more realistic. I don't yeah I because don't... I mean these things as we've seen more and more in real life when we watch even this past week buildings collapse they go down real quick 
<laughs> sadly yeah so I, I think the the construction materials of these models are just a little heavier than what they you know they would normally make them very soft i think for the suit actors to be able to just really punch through I love how this you can is, see the blowtorch inside. <laughs> it's not as bad as Yungri. Um, uh, the 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 fire breathing element, but that one was also in color and I think like during the day. But yeah, the there's a couple of scenes where of course we get some fire breathing. You'd be able to to see exactly where it's coming out of. That's you know, um I think some of the fire breathing scenes are done with a larger just head model. Um the ones where it's maybe very close up, but there's some that are done with an actor in the seat, which is almost unbelievable. I think the ones that are in wider shots, you know, imagine being a suit actor just tied up in this latex and on top of you is a flamethrower. So yeah, this is the highway that, uh, that was originally created for Azura. And this is, yeah, the special effects team just putting everything on the, the table for the, the climax of the movie. We see him burning people to death with his, his fire breath, uh, turning the film negative. Toshi does not care about the destruction. He's like, no, nope. camera. Gamera is cool, Mom. He saved my life. There's no stopping this kid. I think maybe that's why people dislike him. It's like they want to hate Gamera in this movie, but they tried to flip him on his back, and this is what you get. Yeah, which I think was, um, I, th- I think the mistake in this movie is trying to make Gamera the antagonist. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, uh, a lot of people will say is a a knockoff of the oh, original 100%. Godzilla film. There's tons of parallels, obviously. Uh, but as many things as it does the same, I think it does different at the same time. Um, and I, I don't think it takes itself as seriously. There's definitely a little more, a little more camp, a little, little more fun. And I don't know, it, it's hard to peg down because it's, it's everything. It's a little bit of the writing, some of the acting, the, the soundtrack. Um, this movie has the distinction, uh, with the Sandy Frank dub as being one of the few films that they did twice on mystery science theater. It was one of the original KTV uh, episodes. And then season three, episode two, where we get Gamera, the invincible, the, or I guess just Gamera, the Sandy Frank dub of the American version. Right.
we got a plan from Dr. Hidaki to keep the fires burning and, and attract Gamera uh, back out towards the the ocean. Well, oh, here's some shots of Japanese people fleeing with some really cool, funky <laughs> 60s mm-hmm. uh, bags. Uh, a classic shot here, him in the oil fields with like everything on fire behind him, which they'll they'll return and we'll we'll get to see some destruction and similar in the the Heisei uh, Gamera films. Uh, supposedly, this suit was six and a half feet tall, and the, the lighter one maybe was 110 pounds. It definitely got heavier than that up to 130. Um, yeah, I think the, the one that they use for fire breathing scenes, which I think we're going to see here in a moment, uh, was heavier. Um, so as to better protect whoever was inside. And supposedly <laughs> it was so grueling that the special effects team um, like drew straws to see who would have to do it for each given day of shooting. Here's Toshio. It's going to muck up everyone's plans. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that strikes me about this movie is how large some of these scenes are with um, background characters, so the supernumeraries. Um, I, I just feel like if they were trying to cut corners, that would be one of the areas you know <laughs> they would start with. Just keep it to the main cast and maybe do some stock footage, things like that. But <laughs> this kid on the tank wagon look look how confident doshio is i know and it's a clever a clever use of the the camera i don't think we have a a miniature toshio on the uh the toy train (laughs) he just wants to go see his friend who may or may not just breathe fire on him at this point I feel like Toshio as a character would land more if he had what we get in the Heisei series, like uh, a bond with a mental connection. Like if he was, if he knew for a fact that he was going to be able to calm Gamera down or change his course of action or, you know, in in later films, Gamera does seem to listen to the kids sometimes. Right. um, Or can hear them when they're, crying for help and but in this movie it besides saving him at the lighthouse we don't get a lot of camera noticing doshio i love the fireman's uh carrying of the kid out (laughs) he's like let me go I mean, no one's going to escort this kid home. Like, come on, someone step up. They just like pat him on the back, dust him off and like, just go home. 
So we're getting into the official climax with Plan Z of the movie. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, a little about, we, we've talked about some of the sequels, including the Heisei era, but the legacy this sets up, there's there's 12 official Gamera films, and the, the, the series had to start somewhere, I guess. And I think going back and watching both versions of this movie, I think this is a, as a success as far as making something close to Godzilla, but just different enough to for there to be room, you know, for both yeah. to coexist at the same time, which is rare, you know, for, you know, uh, I, I like to compare Godzilla to Superman, also Batman in a lot of ways, but to Superman originally, and then, Gamera comes along and he's the Captain Marvel <laughs> that is more kid friendly and also later on becomes more popular than the original. Gamera in a couple of years is going to outsell Godzilla movies, which is kind of unbelievable. It, from- it is and it isn't because Godzilla was trying to reach a broader, I think, demographic, whereas they quickly after the second one realized we're going strictly for children. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are definitely a lot of kid elements in uh, Godzilla versus Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla. I should say there are, but not, not to the degree that Gamera gets into. Mm -hmm. It's, It's somehow when they show Gamera, the suit in profile, it's hard to believe that there's an actor in there. Mm hmm. Uh, it's it's just it's so slender, you know the the way well, that they have to like stoop down in it. It feels it also, yeah. It, it looks so much more animalistic than like a Godzilla suit, yeah. Because you can see how okay, this is formed for a human to pop into, whereas Gamera looks a lot less of a a, a comfortable suit, which we know <laughs> it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, the Godzilla actors, they had to deal with this huge, long tail and oh, yeah. these super thick legs, these chalky legs. But um, in this chunks. film, it, it's really cool that the idea of the Atlanteans or like ancient Atlantis making maybe these or, or summoning somehow these giant Kame uh, is very interesting. Um, we, we We will get that in. The 90s Gamera films coming back. It's not really, I don't think it's really brought up in the rest of the Showa movies. I don't think so either. Um, yeah, which is one of the reasons, you know, sometimes Gamera, the giant monster, is like put in its own little corner. And then the other Gamera movies, all the versus Showa movies, are put in like a different <laughs> category. And I mean, it doesn't. Uh, help that one is black and white, only one, and then all the rest are color. It doesn't feel like this movie, especially, is really trying to capitalize on children. You know, it does feel like this one, like some of the Godzilla ones, is trying to go a little broader. This, but this is where they figured out that their demographic was kids because they try I think in the yeah. second one they try to go a little bit more differently and kids were not having it. 
Gamera versus Baragon. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I mean, I think this movie is perfect for kids. You know, it does have a, a, a kid actor and he's not really. Um, it's just, it's uh, not speaking specifically to kids. Yeah. You know, but, you don't, you don't have the mind link. You don't have the friend to all children. Mm-hmm. You just have a kid who, who seems to have a connection with this giant turtle, but it's mostly because he's a lonely kid and can't read the room. Toshio is given a lot of agency here, but um, yeah, later on the filmmakers definitely started to cater more and more to, ch- to children, to child actors. Um, and we get some pre stilted uh, talking down to the audience later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think all that is, I mean, Godzilla obviously did it too, but all of it's rectified when 1995's Gamera Guardian of the Universe comes out. It's, because... it's such a stark difference, and it's <laughs> well, you know, it is and it isn't. It's it's definitely it's got the dark edge that, um, I mean, it's Gamera got a movies, much darker edge. Gamera movies later on will start showing him bleeding and like giant wounds appear and <laughs> in well, there's a my- there's a filmmaking tone of the film that is just different i mean uh, it's, it's the same with with the heisei godzilla films like godzilla yeah. versus biolante is a dark sci-fi film oh yeah yeah i mean just the the elements they go into there i mean uh, gamma versus gyron one of my favorite showa movies <laughs> has gyron chopping up like into stakes, <laughs> a a kaiju, and it's just like you know these are a little darker than a lot of people give them. Uh, I mean, just because the main characters are kids and yeah, you know, they're all their hijinks. The monster fights are pretty brutal, actually. We get to see Gamera get stabbed a lot and impaled the, in times. Well, especially with the Gauss, like that. That's always kind of been his. Arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh boy howdy. In, in that movie, uh Gamer vs. Gyron, we we see a, a Gauss leg just sheared off by like a laser meme. Um I want to talk a little bit about my head cannon for this movie to connect it to the other Showa films. Uh if this is the same Gamera in I do think he is Gamera a, a force for good quote unquote, and his destruction is just him needing to get ready to face monsters in the coming movies. He he knows that more monsters are going to come. So he's, he's attacking energy plants and consuming fire to get stronger. Um, I, I, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish they, they kind of gave a little bit more of a leaning to that because he's such a, a protagonistic monster, whereas Godzilla mm-hmm. was legitimately an antagonist in the film, uh, in, in Gojira, and and yeah. the same with the first couple of Heisei films, where yeah, he does like in the Showa era become more of a superhero, but in the Heisei films, it's a lot <laughs> different. Yeah, and it, it's very similar to the MonsterVerse. He's just kind of like a force of nature, and rightly so humans are are like ants to us you know we're we're doing our own thing and we might be heroes to the ants if we like you know swat a a bee <laughs> like a horn or something but they, we don't know if they're cheering for us or not uh same thing with godzilla he just sees another monster and just swats it <laughs> uh 
Um, uh, the rest of my head cannon, of course, is we're going to see Gamera sent into space, but he goes pretty willingly. I feel like if he wanted to get out of the Z rocket, he probably could have, but yeah. he wants he wants to go to space so he can surprise like aliens or something that are about to come to Earth. So it's it's Gamera as a force for good pretty early and just misunderstood. You know, if there was another monster in this movie and this is the only Gamera movie where there's not another monster, if there was one, we would see him more than likely in that protector role a little, a little easier. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it, but the production budget for this film is indeed half of what Godzilla 1954 had 10 years before, and I think less time to film. Um, but for what they had to work with, definitely everything is like one step below Godzilla at the very least. <laughs> but I think they they did great with the effects and I don't know. I don't see a lot of wasted money in the film, you know? No, not at all. It seems like every single dollar they spent of, uh, I want to say it was um, 40 million yen, somewhere in that neighborhood, which I think not accounting for inflation is like $300,000, $400,000, somewhere in there. Um, it's pretty amazing, and we can't find exact box office numbers, but it did extremely well, <laughs> and it helped die out a lot, uh, especially because they were about to lose a lot of money from the failed production of the giant oh, yeah. rat swarm. I don't remember how long this this night scene goes on for, where they're they're trying to push Not Gamera very long, to the ocean. Um, it well, it's one of the things that surprises me. It's how quickly the movie kind of wraps up. It's just like a button on it, but their their gambit plays off, and they're aided by Mount Mahari. Uh, oh, gets Gamera's attention and and pulls him back from the ocean, and pretty cool shot of of him in, in front of the the volcano exploding. Yeah. The aesthetic of the storm is fantastic. They did an excellent job. And I, again, I really think being in black and white highlights that with this film. I, I just, I want more kind of ambient like this, like whenever the lightning goes off, it's great, but I, I just want some more because it is a great suit, you know, <laughs> it is a great suit, but yeah, but in the rain, it's, it's something else. And it's, is that something we see in Godzilla films very often? Uh, it feels like the suit is just so delicate sometimes in those later, uh, later costumes. Um, we see him very, very much, and they have a whole suit for walking through the water, but in the rain. I think in the Heisei era, but not so much, I don't oh, think, in... Definitely happens in, I think, 1984 and versus Biollante. Because the final battle was in the rain, 
right? I believe Versus so. By a long time. Yeah, those look great. I think that's a. Uh, uh, sometimes it's used to kind of like mask. I think <laughs> some some things. I want to say maybe they do it in Godzilla raids again. But uh, I like how at this point they they realize there's just no getting rid of Toshio. It's like just invite the kid along. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's going to mess up. He's going to be here anyway. Now if we don't talk to him. Uh, so we got some matte paintings here of the the interior of their rocket production I, facility. I miss this aspect of old science fiction. I really love the paintings when when they're integrated well like this. I think this is great. really good. Yeah, we 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 uh, watched another mid sixties film, Planet of the Vampires, with some some great. Painted background looks um, done well. It, it's the same thing like practical effects from the eighties done well. And it stands the test of time. Um, so here we get to see the, <laughs> I like how they just have some butane burners that they kicked on some little pilot lights to, to get Gamera's attention. He's looking a little glossy here. <laughs> the suit's looking a little dewy. Yeah. Gamera's leg struts as well don't look like a a human actor in the suit. No. It's weird. <laughs> uh, I did some calculations, Miles. And and going back and, and watching this scene originally, Gamera is eighty meters. He's an eighty meter tall turtle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have any guess as to how many times larger this rocket is than Gamera? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, wow, that was phallic. Um. <laughs> they shock Gamera to get him get him to relax in there i forgot they do that so he can't really break out even if he tried what why is he counting in english great question i don't is is plan z with the americans i don't know program well anyway this little capsule is like 70 meters because it's taller than camera and then the, the rest of the rocket is about 10 times the size of camera so doing the math that means it's about 600 meters tall uh the tallest rocket that was ever made by man is the space launch system from nasa which is 212 feet or 65 meters this rocket <laughs> is 10 times that 10 times height, more and it is equivalent to the second tallest man-made structure on the planet right now which is the shanghai tower at 632 meters oh so it's gosh. like just beneath that and then the, the the tower in dubai is like 700 meters tall so it's one of the few things about the production 
you know, design elements of this film that really bugs me every time I watch it. I'm like, that is a huge rocket. Uh, everyone's very happy. They're, they're excited. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's, I, I guess there's a lot of other times when Godzilla is kind of incapacitated and not killed, but, uh, yeah, they realized, yeah, there's no killing Gamera. You can only just send him to Mars. And that's the plan. Well, that's okay. Yeah, and, and Toshio's happy. He's like, I'm going to see that that crazy. I'm going to see that turtle again. Someday, I'm sure of it. I wish they, I mean, they didn't have to bring back the exact same actor, but I wish they brought back Toshio in more than one film. Because imagine, imagine that kid's excitement when the giant turtle comes back just a couple years later. Boy, that's it. That is Gamera, the giant monster. It really is a very short movie. It feels like no time at all. It's It's wild how how that one is as brisk as it is. Hour and about 18 minutes, right? I said 78 minutes. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but that being said, even adding eight minutes with the American version makes it feel still feel super way, brisk. Way too long, though. <laughs> those those scenes where they're just talking about Gamera, um, not really needed. Uh, but yeah, that's the movie, and that's that's our commentary for it. I I learned in researching this a whole bunch uh, from places IMDb and Wikipedia, but also the wikizilla site and uh, miles you mentioned these um books by john lemay the big book of japanese giant monster movies Mm -hmm. Um, uh, great places to find information unfortunately for like many of the actors directors of the gamma movies there's not a lot of other books about Gamera specifically? No, I mean heck, dozens we, about Godzilla. But I mean, you say that, but I mean, we just got this bad boy this year. You know, we just got a, a good biography on yeah. Ishiro Honda. Yeah, and that's a one that you mentioned. It's like it required the researchers going to Japan, talking to his son, uh, talking to um, uh, people that worked with them. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, unfortunately, a lot of the actors from those movies are now passing because they're they're getting in their their eighties, sometimes their nineties. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, the reason I, I wanted to get into kaiju films right now is try and preserve some of this history and, and appreciate the movies for when they came out and. Um, as spectacles that uh, are hard to replicate. The MonsterVerse does a great job, though. It it does. Um, I I will always have a a very very soft spot for for kaiju films in general. I think Gamera. I think it's a really good start. I mean, yes, it is. I would say Diet Coke Godzilla in terms of the first film. But I think as the series persists, it becomes more and more endearing. Yeah, it's it's really hard to nail down a perfect analogy. Diet Coke's okay. I said RC Cola earlier. Yeah, or RC um, Cola or 
<laughs> you know. But like I said, just like Superman was the original, you know, the progenitor of like so many comics after it, um, Shazam came about because Superman was so popular and then yeah. started becoming more popular, especially with kids afterwards, to the point they had to sue the creators of the Captain Marvel. Comics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that didn't happen here, but Toho got pretty litigious back in the day with other gigantus style uh knockoff films uh like Aegon, um the atomic monster and, and things like that but didn't happen with gamera and it, part of it's because he's actually pretty original you know and weird in yeah. a lot of ways we didn't talk at all about the i mean he is just a big turtle but he's also got these tusks uh, even here in this first movie, they make them really pronounced in the Heisei films and eventually gets kind of like in those films, elbow spikes and some other weird accoutrement. Um, yeah, we're, when, when, especially when you enter the, you know, after at that point, 20 years of tokusatsu films, you're going to have some sort of like, you know, metamorphosis, morphi- yeah, metamorphical uh, sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, some evolutionary uh, aspects uh, to the creature and the suit. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. I, he definitely does exist in a shadow realm, just right behind Godzilla as I, I like to think of him, you know, they've done all kinds of um, pulling and sampling. And in my mind, he's like the third or fourth, probably most popular Kaiju of all time. Um, right up there with the, yeah. the big ones. You got your, your King Kong, Godzilla, your, King your Kong, Godzilla, Mothra, Gamera. Ghidorah. Uh, see, that's the problem is when you, when you bring these exactly. other monsters into the equation, because I think Mothra is technically more popular than Godzilla in Japan. It, it, in t- Yeah. In certain years, those Mothra movies in the nineties did Mothra really well. Is great, but people love Mothra. Um, yeah. So and, it's, and it's hard I, to I'm, say. I, I I did kind of find myself actually cheering in King of the Monsters when Mothra got her moment where she just came down with those little spiky legs. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. So yeah, I mean, I I love Mothra, um, but yeah, when you when you throw in the other uh, kaiju, I mean, people love Rodan, Angris, uh, King Ghidorah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I love that over the last like. I would say like decade and a half. There, there's been more and more like non-ironic, legit love for Hedera, which makes me happy because I've always loved Hedera. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll talk about them all eventually. But uh, uh, your love for Hedera is, is uh, um, and part of the reason I love the Gamera series, especially the Showa series, so much is because I, I think he's got some great villains, some weird, very non-humanoid suit villains you know uh from yeah. zigra to um <laughs> virus <laughs> just some wacky designs and uh gyron is one of my favorite uh kaiju of all time just big knife headed monster um that somehow also has ninja stars that he can throw <laughs> from his head <laughs> uh what what were they smoking in the 60s that's the question that good good uh <laughs> thank you everyone for 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 showing up for listening to us talk about a lot of gamma effects uh biles thanks so much for 
exploring this with me <laughs> oh i mean nothing makes me happier than going to giant monster movies so that's not true i mean there's a lot of things that make me just as happy but <laughs> i do love giant monster movies you can see uh, giant monster posters behind me i've got my little uh godzilla right here i've got a godzilla back there Gita there mech godzilla there i, I love giant oh my yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that's going to do it for us uh, here. Thanks, you guys, so much again. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple weeks' time for our next Kai July film. Uh, yeah, until then, uh, you guys, uh, thank you for for showing up and for, for watching this with us. And we'll, we'll catch you next time. Say goodbye. Good night, guys. Bye, everybody.